Y'all good? That was good. That was really good. I didn't do that. All right, let me just pray. Y'all want to stand? That was a big joke, by the way, about me leading worship. But it was a bigger joke about Andy preaching, right? (laughs) Well, Lord, we thank you uh, this morning. Thank you that you're on the move, Lord. You're doing stuff. Lord, help, help us to hear with our hearts and see with our with our hearts this morning, Father. Lord, help us to connect with the spiritual realm that's so real today. And Lord, I pray that you're, you will accomplish what you want to accomplish right now in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. I, was, I wanted to read uh, Matthew 21, read this little story. Starting out here, Matthew 21, verse 12 through 17. Then Jesus went into the temple of God and drove out all those who had bought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. And he said to them, It is written, My house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. Then the blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. But when the chief priests and scribes saw the wonderful things that he did, and the children crying out in the temple, saying, Hosanna to the son of David, They were indignant and said to him, Do you hear what these are saying? And Jesus said to them, Yes. Have you never read out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants? You have perfected praise. Then he left them and went out of the city to Bethany, and he lodged there. So that's a a picture of the Lord coming into the temple and um, sort of something we can glean, you know, of asking God for revival, asking God to come and visit the church, come into the church, asking God to come into our lives. Um, there's a lot of wonderful things that can happen as, you know, in verse 14, there was a healings, there were worship, you know, the religious spirit was getting rebuked by the Lord. I mean, all that was really just just powerful. Uh, but, then, but there was another part to it, that, and it's probably the part that we, we, we would prefer the least when we ask the Lord to bring revival and spiritual awakening, and it's the part of the Lord uh, dealing with things and removing things from the church and from our hearts. And that's a, it's almost like you've got to be careful what you ask for. If we ask for the Lord to bring revival, He does bring a lot of joy, does bring healing, does bring many things, but He also brings this part of revival, and this part is the part where God begins to deal with the church, and God begins to deal with individuals with the things that are in us that the Lord wants out of our lives, and that's really what I believe the Lord's doing right now in this current time. Is God is really uh, beginning to deal with a lot of people right now in the body of Christ. I I can't really speak for every church, but I believe in this church. This is where we're at on the spiritual calendar with God. We're in a time where God is going after the, our hearts and going after things in our hearts. And that's just as much as, of revival as anything. Um, it really is. I wanted to read just a, a couple of lines from a, from a prophetic word given by a lady named Dr. Sharon Stone. She's with Christian International in Europe, which I believe is sort of part of Bill Hammond's ministry over in Europe. But... The last couple, the last sentence that she had in there, she said, "This September 2008, let the let my cleansing winds 
blow over my global church. Encourage yourselves. I am bringing my revival of spirit and truth. Encourage yourself. I'm bringing my revival of spirit and truth. I believe the Holy Spirit is visiting us now as the spirit of truth. Not just the spirit of revival, not just the spirit of awakening, not just the spirit of refreshing and renewing, which we want that, but there's this, the spirit of truth where God comes to us and begins to speak to us and begins to deal with us with the things that are in us to remove those things like He did when He came to the temple. Get those things out of your life. Get those things out of the church. They don't, they don't belong there. Um, I wanted to read Psalm 85, verse 10. And this is a really powerful scripture from the Old Testament. It says, Loving kindness and truth have met together. Loving kindness and truth. Now that word loving kindness could also be translated mercy. Mercy and truth have, have met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed each other. Sort of a description of what God's trying to do right now. And one of the things I believe is really important for us to see that we are in a time of mercy. Okay, this is not a... God has not come to judge the church. God, you know, there, may, there will come a day, you know, the Bible says judgment begins with the household of God and then, you know, what will be the end with the ungodly. But I don't believe we're in a time of judgment. We're in a time of mercy. God wants to cover us with His mercy. Okay, and part of the mercy of God for us right now is, is, is a chance for us to really come to a place of real repentance, for us to come to a place to allow God to search our hearts, to allow God to cleanse us, to wash us, to allow God to take the hidden things out of us, the hidden sins, the hidden things that we have in us, that God is very interested in taking those things and moving them out of our life like He did that day when He went into the temple. Amen? It's not a heavy thing. I don't want you to get all heavy. You know, it's hard to talk about this stuff in the church because here's what's happening in the church, okay? Some people have preached holiness and they've preached it from the religious mindset. This is not... I'm not talking to you about religion this morning. I'm not talking, talking to you about having to... I'm talking to you about getting to. I'm talking to you that we're in a place in time where God wants to help us, that God's reaching out to the church and saying, I want to help you. I want to cleanse your heart. I want to remove the things out of your life that are a hindrance to you, that are going to hurt you down the road. And now is the time for God. He's saying, my mercy is available to you right now. I had a dream. Well, this is what happened to me last night. Is, uh I, the Lord woke me up and said, it's time for you to get under my mercy. Okay? That's, that's what he said to him. It's time for you to get under And then I went to sleep and I had a succession of dreams. Okay? And the dreams were all about me taking my life into my own hands. Okay? They were all about me taking my life into my hands and doing what I thought I wanted to do or doing what I felt like I needed to do. And they were miserable. Do you hear what I'm saying to you? And I would wake up from the dream and think, Oh, man, thank you, thank you, Lord, that that's not the truth. Thank you, Lord, that I haven't made decisions in this season, at this point in time, out of discouragement or disillusionment. Okay? Because what happened to me, I'll tell you what happened to me. I, made a, I, I said something I shouldn't have said. I got into one of the, what I call the Byron Wicker mode. You know what the Byron Wicker mode is? The Byron Wicker mode is this. I don't care. I don't care about anybody's problems. I don't want to hear about anybody else's stuff. I just don't care. I got my own problems. I got my own issues. I am not messing with nobody else. I'm just going to take care of me. Okay? That's why I said that to Becky. I'm just taking care of me. 
And I had that little encounter with the Lord last night. You know what I did this morning? I got up and went to bed and said, I'm repenting for what I said yesterday. Because you know what? There's power in words. There's power in words. And God showed me this is what's going to happen to you if you do what you said you were going to do. If you take your life in here. David said, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God than take my faith upon myself. And that's really what I was saying. You see, I was taking my faith upon myself based on me being aggravated and frustrated and disgusted and being overwhelmed by things that I didn't want to be overwhelmed with. Does anybody feel overwhelmed with things you don't want to be overwhelmed with? Be careful what you say in those times because your words carry authority and power. And you, you, and you may have to repent, which is a good thing. Well, I was going back... Uh, are you all with me? I went back this and was listening to... Uh, this Earlier this week, I was listening to the Bob Jones' Shepherd Rod message that he gave in January of 2008 this year okay and one of the two I want to tell you one thing that was interesting to me because is he talked about this year make sure you pray over your vegetables and over your fruit because there's going to be some issues and uh, you know this year we've had lots of issues with vegetables and fruits a lot of sicknesses and uh, cilantro I think they found like cilantro and tomatoes and stuff was had that bacteria on where a lot of people got sick anybody get sick eating that stuff I did I got sick as a dog man one time and salsa, <laughs> too bad. I love salsa. Should have should have prayed over my food more and blessed it. But that's what he said. Wash your vegetables. I'm just telling you that because I want you to hear this. That was God trying to speak to the body of Christ about what was going to happen. But this is really what he said. He said, "This year, God is going to cleanse the church. This year, God is going to cleanse the church." And I'm telling you, we're in a time right now, at least at River Life, where God is saying, "I want to cleanse the church." It's time for a bath. It's not a bad bath. It's a good bath. It's a bath where God wants to cleanse you and wash stuff out of you that's got into your life. Okay? Now, I want to read. Are y'all hearing that this morning? Don't hear this in a hard way. Hear it in a good way. Uh, let me read. Well, first let me read it. I've done a lot of research and study on revivals. Going back to the very first revival there ever was in Genesis 4, it says men begin to call upon the name of the Lord. That was the first revival in the Bible. You can go all through the Bible. There's many revivals in the Bible that you can study and sort of glean information, but there's lots of revivals that have happened in history, in church history. And I've studied many of those revivals, and there's a lot of characteristics about revivals you find in all of them. But I'll tell you, one of them was this. One of the characteristics in most revivals that you see is was a, a sincere conviction of sin. Okay, there was a sin. Let me read this. The people of God are always astonished to find that the coming of God's Holy Spirit causes such a desperate conviction of sin. The history of revival is a history of a restored fear of God. See, God wants to bring fear back into the church. I mean, I'm talking righteous fear where we really fear God. Okay? It was grace, says John Newton, that taught, my, taught his heart to fear. It was the grace of God that taught his heart to fear. When, when the holiness of the Holy Spirit was made apparent in Acts 5.11, we're told that great fear seized the whole church. When the holiness of the Holy Spirit... God's, you see, God wants to move. God wants, there, there's joy in the church. There's joy. There's a, there's a move of the Holy Ghost. There's drunkenness. There's all those things. But there's also where God wants to seize us with, with godly and righteous fear. Are y'all, I mean, this is just as much revival as getting the other good stuff, you know? God is saying, I, wanna, I want people to fear me in a, right, in a right way. I want people to be concerned about the sin in their life. I want people to realize that if, if I'm going to come into a place and I'm going to abide there, I'm going to deal with people's hearts. I'm going to deal with sin in the church. 
this ain't a, this ain't one of them rousing messages. There was an emphasis. Y'all ought to be cheering, but this is the mercy of God. I'm telling you, this is God's mercy right now. God's not saying I'm. He's not saying I'm mad at y'all. I hate y'all. I'm you sorry sinners. I'm gonna get you. He's not saying any of that. He's saying I'm trying to help you. I want you to know something. I want to cleanse you. I want to refresh you. I want to take all the awful out of you. I want to get the dirt off of your life. I want to refresh you and renew you and bring you into something great. But there was an emphasis on the blood of Jesus. Throughout church history, the Holy Spirit's work in revival has been to bring believers back to the cross. This is because without Christ's blood, we have nothing. And with His blood, we have everything. See, we've got to get an emphasis on the blood of Jesus again, I really believe. I believe what has happened with the blood of Jesus, we have, it's been preached from a religious perspective so much that we've lost it. We've lost the essence of how precious the blood is. And God is really wanting to bring the blood back into the forefront of the church. He really does, because there really is power in the blood. If you want the power of God, if you're sincere about the power of God, we're going to have to go deal with the cross. We're going to have to find it. We'll find the power in the blood. <clears throat> the implications of this primary truth comes with devastating force during revivals, and it comes with glory. Devastating force and glory. I believe that's what God wants to do. Devastating force and glory. Everybody say devastating force. Devastating force. Everybody say glory. glory. I knew somebody was going to have more emphasis than that. The glory. I'm, I'm on the glory side, but there is a devastating force. In brief, the Holy Spirit's chief work is to glorify Christ, and He does this by lighting up the cross and the blood shed there. That's good, isn't it? Many believers have confessed that revival's chief blessing for them was a sudden assurance that they had redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sin in accordance with the riches of God's grace. They even sing about the blood of Jesus just as the elders did in Revelations verse 5. They even sang it. See, that's what they're doing up there in heaven. So that's kind of an important thing, isn't it? If they're singing about the blood in heaven, you wonder why we, you know, you, you get what that says. I want you to look at Psalm 51, verse 6. I want to talk to you just a minute about this verse. It says, Behold, you desire truth in the innermost being, and in the hidden part you will make me know wisdom. You desire truth in the innermost being. I want, let me just tell you about the, what I call the human being factor. There's a human being factor that every one of us have this morning. And the, this is what the human being factor is. All of us have things and issues. Here's the truth, okay? I want you to get this. If you don't get it, and I'm, I've lived this, okay? I've lived this. I have taken a beating from people. I mean, I have been lashed to the ground, okay? About this is, you know, if, if the church would do this or if you would do this, if somebody would just love me and do this for me and just wore me out over... over and my thing is, is, you know what? I'm not really your problem, the church is not your problem. The truth is, you have a problem inside of you, down inside of you. And if you can come and find the truth in you. Do y'all hear what I'm saying to you this morning? If you can find the truth in you, that's what God desires. See, we can always blame somebody else or something else for what's going on in our life. But the truth is, we need to find out what's the real truth inside of us, deep down in here, the real truth. The real truth. There's something really going on in down there that you know. I was hearing about this morning about a, uh, about a, a family. They they're getting a divorce. They just, we're getting a divorce. Found just as well, we're getting a divorce. Just young couple. We're getting a divorce. You know what? And the, I don't want anything to do with the church. 
I'm angry at the church. I'm mad at the church. You know what, what the problem is? This person had something traumatic happen to them in their heart. They closed their heart off to everybody. And now they're mad at all these people who've loved them. They're not people, members of this church. These friends of ours. But the real truth is nobody did anything to them. There's a wound in them. And if we can help them get to that place down there, then it says the wisdom of God gets released. Because here's what happens. You know, the Bible says in First John, John, the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 7, it says grace and truth. Jesus Christ came with grace and truth. Okay? And here's, here's the way this deal works. If you have grace apart from truth, you're headed to lawlessness. That's, where you're, that's the road you have gotten on. You, grace without truth. You, I've seen it happen over and over. I've seen people that were under legalism get out from it, get out from under legalism, get under a, more of a grace. Number. You know what they did? They threw away all the truth in their life and went out and started doing just bad stuff. I mean bad stuff and saying, well, the grace of God can cover us. I had a person one time who fell away from the Lord, left, left her husband, left her family, and I was confronting them about it, and they said, well, isn't, you've preached on the grace, is it? Can't grace cover me? I said, well, yeah, grace can cover you. My problem, my concern for you is not the lack of grace, it's what's going to happen to you while you're outside of grace. Because there's no grace where you're at out there. So grace without truth leads to lawlessness, and truth without grace, on the other hand, leads to legalism. That's you hear what I'm saying to you? You can have the truth all day long, but if you don't have grace, you're going to get under legalist, legalist bondages. So what we had to do is we had to come, if we'll come to the truth in our hearts, God is saying to you this morning, He's saying to me this morning, you need to come to the truth about your life. You've got to stop looking at everybody else and blaming everybody else and, and, and making excuses for where you're at. You've got to face the truth about yourself. You've got to look down in your heart and say, God, tell me the truth about me because I don't want to stay the way I am. And if you'll do that, God will meet you. God will set you free. That's the mercy of God. I love one, one time what Ken Helser said about marriage. He says, marriage is a mirror. You have to face yourself. Marriage forces you to face yourself. And I have, we have married a bunch of people in this church and many of them have come back months after their marriage messed up. And you know what was going on? They were having to face themselves. Yeah. They were finding out the truth about themselves. And that's all it was. You're just finding out the truth. You're finding out the truth about this person you married, and they're finding out the truth about you. And it's a rough day when that happens. <laughs> I love that about marriage. You know? It's a way God deals with it. God's like a mirror. He wants you to look in that mirror. Remember the never-ending story? Y'all remember that movie, The Never Ends? It was a great movie. One of the greatest parts in it, it said that this kid had to go through all these great trials. Y'all, it was a great movie. You need to go watch it. And the hardest trial he had to go through is to face himself, to face who he really was. God is saying to the church, you're going to have to face some things. You need to face who you are. You need to get real with yourself. Get real with God and let God do what God can do in your life. If you don't, you will never get free. And you're going to stay messed up and you're going to stay suppressed as a person. I know this stuff well because I've been there. But I'll tell you what, when you come to the truth between you and God, it's a good day. Something can happen in your life then. 
Let me read John 13. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying to you, me? Listen, God's moving in the earth. You know what happened down there in Lakeland was powerful? And when God, that thing with, with Todd happened, it's all part of God's plan. God was saying, Todd, I'm trying to wash you. Unfortunately, it got stuck out in front of everybody, and everybody gets to have their opinion about it. It would have been better if Todd would have just went to the people that were over him and said, I got these issues, and they could have helped him. God wants to help us. God's not disappointed in a person. No person. He loves us. He wants to have mercy on us. He wants us to deal with the issues in our life. It's all part of His plan. God's sending a, that, that, that cleansing breeze through the church. He's sending a washing to us. Here's what Jesus said, John, thir- John 13, 5 through 10. This is sort of a picture. Then He poured water into the basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel which He was girded. So He came to Simon Peter and He said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered and said to him, What I do, you do not realize now, but you will understand hereafter. Peter said, said to him, Never shall you wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no part with me. Now I'm telling you, God's saying, You need a washing. I need a washing. The church needs a washing. And He's saying, If you don't allow me to do this, you are, you are separating yourself from me right now. Let the Holy Spirit wash you. Let Him. It's not a bad thing. It may feel painful at the moment. But let Him get. And the way, you, what, way He washes, you get real with Him. You get the, the truth in you. And let Him deal with that truth in you. And if you'll do that, you'll get washed. You'll get cleansed. Simon Peter said to Him, Lord, didn't wash not only my feet, but also my hands and my head. That's a good old guy who's all of a sudden feel like he needs a good washing. <laughs> you ever felt that way? Jesus said to him, He who has bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean, and you are clean, but not all of you. In other words, God has washed us already. We've been bathed, okay? But we've walked in a world and walked in a life that's polluted. And sometimes in this world you step in doo-doo. Okay? And it gets on your feet. And it stinks. And you can blame everybody else for the stink. You know? But the truth is, it's your feet that stinks. You know? And God's saying, I want to wash your feet. I want to get that stink off of you. Because not only does your feet stink, it makes everything around you stink. Spiritually. Many of us stink because we've stepped into something we shouldn't have stepped into. And we've not really let the Lord wash us. And God really wants to cleanse us. I wanted to read 1 Corinthians 2, verse 5. Now, I really believe right now the blood really is important. Okay? This in, 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 <clears throat> um, I heard Bob, this was in February, we, this was just in a conversation in, where he was talking about this big experience he had with the Lord. Okay? And he said this was a high-level experience. Okay, that's what he said. This is a high-level experience I had. You know, where he went up into the spiritual realm and saw some stuff and, and, and heard stuff. And this is what he said. And what I got was, the blood's important right now. Okay, I'm thinking, that's high-level? <laughs> now, here's your mind. That's a high-level experience. The blood's important right now. Isn't the blood always important? And that's going through my little brain, 
You know, right? The blood's always important, right? It should be. But God was saying, no, I want you to get this. The blood's really important right now. Pay attention. That's what he's saying. The blood is important right now for you and for me. Pay attention to that. And we really need to pay attention to that. And, um, you know, we've heard that a few, a few other times. Just somebody was singing recently a song, that hymn. What was that hymn, Andy? What can I, no, it's not that one. It's that other one. Something about the... No, I don't know. You remember that song we were listening to? Yeah. Very powerful. I thought, man, there's something on that song. God's trying to tell us something. He's trying to release something to us. Because He wants us to be cleansed. He wants to cleanse us. Wash us. It's mercy. I'll tell you, it's mercy. God has got His mercy. It's like a mercy umbrella. He's saying, get under it. Get under the umbrella right now. Get under it. Let me wash you right now. Let me do it right now. And I was asking the Lord, because the Lord spoke to me and told me this this like threefold chord thing he wanted in my life and it comes out of, of say at Timothy 1 7 it's uh, God has not given us a spirit of fear but of, of love power and a sound mind and the Lord was saying this is the threefold chord for you is love power and a sound mind yeah, I want you to have those three things operational in your life and so we've seen the Lord really just, just download love love and you know come on love love come on loving kindness mercy right I mean, and I, I think that's just began, man. I don't think we've gotten anywhere with that yet, really. But that's just continued. But I was asking, you know, sound mind. We, we sort of went after that the first of the year, getting the sound mind to Christ and getting your mind healed and getting your mind uh, connected in with the, with the revelational realm, with the heavenly realm. You know, when you... What happened to me is when I got into my Byron Wicker mode is I stepped out of thinking with the mind of Christ and stepped into my mind. Okay, and when you think with just your mind, I don't, I've said this 150 times in this church, but I'll say it 150. If you think with just your mind and you look with just your eyes and hear with just your ears, you will be defeated. Yeah. It's a defeat. I was defeated because I was stuck in my mind. I was stuck in my... Listen to me. You, if you're stuck in your mind this morning, you are, sure, you are surely defeated as a Christian. And when I repented... And ask the Lord, Lord, I need your mind. I need to quit eating from the tree of, of good and evil, and I need to eat from the tree of life. I need to gather my information from you. When I did that, immediately my whole world changed. Now, nothing changed in the natural. The circumstances stayed the same, but the way I viewed it, the way it impacted me, the way it made me feel was completely different. That is the sound mind that God wants us to have. Because everything is not just going to change and all of a sudden everything's going to be right for you. All of a sudden you're going to have all the money you need and all the people that you love are going to quit. They may not quit being so mean, you know, whatever you're going through in your life. All that's just not going to change all of a sudden. But you can change when you see it the way the Lord sees it. And you're able to take the impact of these things the way the Lord takes them. Because there's this grace bubble you get in. And it may hit the grace bubble, but it doesn't really hit you. You're able to keep going and keep your eyes on the Lord and keep your eyes fixed on Christ. But <clears throat> this is what the Lord gave me when Paul was talking to the Corinthians about the power. Because I was asking, because who, who doesn't want power, right? Anybody doesn't want power? Well, the Lord said, the first thing, Byron, is you need to get a sound mind before I'm going to let you really walk in my power. Because you don't do, you, power is not something people play with. 
Okay? In other words, you don't give a 10-year-old boy the blueprints of a building and have him wire it. He just can't do it. He's not capable of doing it. You give it to somebody who's got the, in the natural, the sound mind to deal with electricity. Okay? That's what you do. So the Lord said, in order for you to walk in my power, you're going to have to have my sound mind operating in you. Okay? So that's really important that we come into the sound mind and that we really have this, this foundation this, that we're rooted and grounded in God's love. But the other thing is, Paul said it here uh, in 1 Corinthians 2, verse 5. He said that your faith would not rest on the wisdom of men, but on the power of God. And he said that in context of getting back to the cross. That your, your mind and your faith wouldn't rest on man's wisdom, okay, but on God's power. And when we get reconnected to the cross, when we get reconnected to the blood... Okay, that is how we're meant to live our life, and that can connect us in with God's power. And then, whatever happens with people, our lives are not dependent on what everybody else is doing. Our lives is dependent on the power of God. And our faith is not in, if, if you know, Matthew Bollinger's doing well in the Lord, I'm going to do well. No, my faith is not in what Matthew Bollinger or Andy Squires or anybody else is doing. My faith has got to rest on God's power. And the way it rests on God's power is for me to get back to that place where God's, where I'm humbled myself before the cross and allow the cross to have its work done in me. Okay? That's where the power of God originates, is in the cross. And see, God really wants to reconnect us up, I believe, with the blood of Jesus and the cross of Christ. And so we, by good fortune today, have communion and, and here's some things. Today, if you, you know, you could be involved in fornication. Okay, that's a pretty serious sin. Or some other bad outward sin. But you could be, also could be, you know, involved in sins of the spirit, sins of the soul. Sins such as criticism. Sins such as unforgiveness. Sins such as accusation. Those are grievous sins to the Lord. You hear what I'm saying to you? God wants to wash us from all this stuff. All the nasty outward stuff and all the inward hidden stuff. This is our answer. Our answer is the blood. You know, what can wash me? What can wash away all my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Are you lacking wholeness in yourself today? That God has an answer for you. It's the blood. As you humble yourself and confess and get real with God, we've got to get real with Him. We've got to let Him bring us to a place of real truth in our lives. Amen? So we're going to do communion this morning. I don't, not that you haven't ever taken it serious before. I trust you have. Okay, but I really want you to take it real serious this morning. Okay, not in a religious fashion, but I really want you, you know, to do what the Scripture says. Really examine yourself. Ask the Lord, Lord, come. I invite you to examine me. I want to get real, Lord. I want to get fixed. I don't want to stay the way I am. I want to get healed. And I want you to do right. And if I've got unforgiveness or hatred or bitterness or, or, or just flat, old, crummy, everyday sin that people do, I want it off of me. I want to get free from it. And that's what I really ask you to do today. If you, if you have sin, and I guarantee you, if you're sitting here today, I promise you, if you had sin in your life, it came into your mind. That's the way it works. 
it came into your mind, that thing, that little thing. That was the Holy Spirit saying, that needs to come to an end in your life. That needs to come in. Now's a good time to repent. And say, Lord, I repent. I give it to you. Let your blood come now. Cleanse me. That's what I'm asking you for. Simple as that. So what we're going to do, we'll turn this over to Matthew and Andy. And we're going to relieve, we're going to do the communion. We want to pray for people and just get get free. So